So good afternoon, ladies. Thank you for joining me. I will take a minute to introduce you before we get started. So I am joined today with Abril and Joelle. Abril and Joelle are friends of mine that I've actually met recently through a mom's group in Facebook uh, or on Facebook in which there was an incident in which we'll talk about today. So before we get into the incident, I want you to introduce yourself. So Abril, tell me where you're from. I'm from Chicago. I'm Mexican-American, and I've been living in Paris for about two years now. Okay. And Joelle? Hi. I'm also from the U.S., originally Southern California, but lived in New York City for 10 years before moving to Paris with my French husband and my stepdaughters and my two-and-a-half-year-old. Okay. Well, thank, thank you for joining me. <laughs> and I am, of course, from the U.S. as well. I'm from uh, Philly, and I have Ooh. a two-year-old. And in fact, you ladies just mentioned your kids, and that's exactly the connection that we have together. Mm -hmm. We all are mothers, and we met in a Facebook group that supports mothers and specifically English-speaking mothers in France. I'm not sure of your language skills, but I know when I first got here, and even now, <laughs> my French isn't the best. So it's very important in these intercultural or international environments that we find support in English to help us. And it was especially important to find English support when I was pregnant. This mm -hmm. was my first child. And, you know, I had never had a baby before. Any woman who has her first child, you have so many questions. You want to know what hospital should I have my kids in? You know, what is the, the pregnancy experience like? And then when you have your kids, you have questions or other questions such as what doctor should I go to? This happened with my child today. Is this normal? Has anyone else yeah. experienced? that. So the, the mom's group that we were in was very helpful for those reasons. And I found it to be very resourceful. The women there uh, were all from different backgrounds. So English is, of course, our number one connection. And the three of us are American, but mm -hmm. not everyone in the group was American. Some women were from the UK. Some women were from India and just other different countries, but they spoke English. And so that was a way for us to connect. Up until recently, I thought the group was fine. <laughs> you know, I had never <laughs> had any trouble in the group. It was nothing but helpful or resourceful. I mean, you know, it's Facebook and let's let's be honest social media can be toxic sometimes people don't know how to just scroll by something that they don't agree with people want to chime in and argue and say things that they wouldn't necessarily say to someone in person so occasionally i would see those type of posts or comments but besides that for the the most part i, I thought it was a great group all that change with the Meghan Markle and Prince Harry interview. <laughs> so Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, some people might think, well, you know, how could they cause trouble in a Facebook group, especially one that they're not in? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the answer to that is there was a lot of feedback to the interview that they did with Oprah. And more specifically, there was a lot of inappropriate comments that were made, especially in regards to Megan's comments about how she was treated by the royal family. Some women in the group did not believe her 
Uh, they called her, you know, a liar. They said that, you know, oh, I don't believe, I don't believe anything she says. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. if she's saying yeah. that she had a bad experience, I don't believe her. And it was actually interesting because Megan got a lot of pushback. But for whatever reason, Harry, yeah. people just maybe kind of gave him excuses. They said, yeah. well, I don't believe Megan. She's lying. Harry, you know, I'm not sure what he's talking about, but whatever he's saying that I don't agree with, it's because Megan is making him yeah. do something yeah. or Megan yeah. is making him say stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it's fine. If, if people don't want to believe her, generally speaking, or if they don't like her, you know, that's one thing. But the inappropriate comments really revolved around people saying that the things that she was stating that she had a problem with, they actually did not find troubling. For example, Megan had revealed to her to Oprah that some member of the royal family had remarked about her baby's color or skin color. Okay. And so some women in the group were saying, oh, what, what's the problem with that? <laughs> you know, there's nothing with judging a baby's skin color or wanting to know how dark a baby is going to be. And anyone who has common sense would know, well, yes, there is a problem with that. Why are you judging a baby's skin color? And specifically in a situation in which the couple is interracial. So we know that the reason why skin color would be an issue or a question is because you want to know if the baby is going to take on more features uh, from the black parent than the white parent. And in this context, or in the context of the royal family, that might be important because optics is important to that family. Not to mention, historically, the royal family does have history with racism, colonialism, yeah. and all other isms. Okay, uh, so that wasn't just an innocent comment that was made. From that point forward, things in the group got a little ugly with black women, brown women, other women of color objecting to the the comments that were against Megan and then saying that those type of comments were were inappropriate and that, you know, her story should be believed. So I kind of witnessed all of this go down in the group kind of after the fact. By the time I witnessed the fiasco in the group or saw like millions of comments uh, about this, it was revealed that some women in the group had actually been removed and not women who actually made the negative comments, but women who spoke out against comments. They were removed. And so I, I saw people you know, complaining about that, that, that the, the moderators in the group were censoring people who were speaking out about racism and more specifically black people, people of color. And whereas white women were allowed to uh, make negative comments and, and not be removed from the group. So you ladies tell me, so when did you become a part of the conversation in which the group kind of got uh, out of hand or when did you witness that? Joelle, you want you want me to speak first? Well, I actually wasn't aware of the conversation that was going on when it was happening. I had turned Facebook off my phone that week, and I first became aware of it when I started to get a lot of 
private messages from women I've actually never met before <laughs> saying, whoa, do you see what's going down in the Facebook group? What do we do? Black women are being, number one, their comments are being erased. And I hear of Black women being blocked from the group because they're calling out racism. They're saying, this group is not safe for me. <laughs> Somebody stand up for, for what I'm saying, what I'm sharing. And I think that you know, with this particular group, I've been a part of the group for maybe three years now. And there had been several instances in the past, maybe that were not as, as blatant from the, from the moderators, the racism that was being allowed, but lots of racist comments in the past had happened. I had posted something the fir during the first confinement, one of my stepdaughter's school books we're talking about different words and they put a picture of a little black boy um, with his hand up like this and the options of what the correct word was to match the picture was cine, like is he signing or is he a songe, a monkey? Wow. And so I went on the group to just say, hey moms, I wanna make you aware that this textbook has this picture, you may be coming across it any day now, you might wanna sh you know, protect your kids from seeing this. And you might wanna say something to the teacher or to the administration, we're contacting the, pub the publisher. We did end up having a bunch of women contact the publisher and that was changed. But my comment about that had a whole host of responses of women standing up for the publishing company to say, no, that's not racist. And then of course it led women of color to say, actually, I can tell you, I don't want that being associated with me or my child because in Paris, I've been called Assange on the street randomly. You know, there was many women who felt they needed to defend how wrong it was. And so because of that conversation, I think a lot of women knew that I was somebody who cared deeply about equality. And so I was getting text messages and, and messages from people I don't even know saying, what do we do? What do we do? So that's when I kind of joined the conversation and immediately went on because right after that post, which Chanel, you failed to mention that it was the whole conversation was started from the founder of the Facebook group mm. by saying she like tied, she put an article and like, her comment on it was Meghan Markle being a drama queen and ruining Harry and separating him from his family. So she invited that, she invited the conversation to go in the exact direction that it went in. So I, of course, went on, there was follow-up comments and conversations that happened on the group after that. And so I was trying to kind of, respond to a lot of these women and many of them who, who I know through meeting through the sales app or whatever by helping them see how wrong it was to tell a woman of color your feelings don't matter. And so what the conversation developed into was a group of women asking the administration to just admit that they were getting feedback that the group was not a safe place for women of color. And then to do something about that, to make it a safe place for everyone. 
But instead of them apologizing and saying, you know, I'm so sorry, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to work to make this a safe place for everyone. They just denied and denied and denied. And then they continued to block more and more people. So I ended up also being one of the women that was blocked because I also, in a very kind and diplomatic way, was just saying, why are we unable to just listen and respond and acknowledge the fact that this isn't a safe group for everyone? And then let's take steps to make it a safe group for everyone. But that request was responded with being also blocked from the group. Wow. And April, uh, you, how did you discover the madness that was ensuing? I, so I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw the post and I, I saw one of the posts that said, I'm curious about what you think about the interview. So at the time I'd seen bits and pieces of the interview and I went through and I, it was not what I had expected from this mom's group. Like I couldn't believe what I was reading and I was just completely taken back because the group that had helped me so, so much throughout my pregnancy when I first came here was, had like turned into this negative, almost like super unsafe place. And the comments that I was reading were from moms that I had thought were, you know, kind that I could approach. And some of these moms, actually, I had accepted into my own private Facebook page. And after I saw that, I'm just like, that's not who I thought you were. And there was so much, aside from the racism, there was also so much mom shaming that Mm -hmm. came from other mothers that had given me advice in the past. And I think my comment on that thread, I, I, I had to stop. I just, I couldn't anymore. And I think my 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 comment was just like, okay, well, I'm taking note of who I should never take advice from again. Cause right. so after reading that, experiencing that, and then seeing how the administrators and the admins of the group reacted, I it it's it's hard because I didn't get blocked, but I did want to leave that group. But that group, I know there's good moms in there. I know there's kind-hearted souls. And I know there's bad, you know, bad. <laughs> bad apples as well. Bad, yeah, bad apples. So I I still need help navigating. I'm a first-time mom. Mm-hmm. I'm here by myself. And I'm so torn. I want to leave that group. But I know at any given time, I could just go into the search bar and find advice. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Right. I, I sometimes, when I, I haven't posted much, I think I maybe posted once because I was in desperate need of advice. But I try not to post in there anymore. Because in the past, I have posted things and I have been mom-shamed. And after the whole Meghan Markle thing, I avoided as much as possible, but I do need help. And it's a shame that a group so resourceful that was and can be helpful is now a place where I don't feel comfortable posting. And it sucks that so many people were removed for 
trying to do the right thing, you know, trying to educate people, trying mm-hmm. to uh, be the voice for the people that are going unheard. And right. it's... <laughs> right. You know, I had saw what was happening and I I made a decision to not jump in. Number one, I I can't really do the social media going back and forth thing. I'm more of a confrontational person and in person, you know, if I have a problem with you, we're going to speak in person. I can't really do the the back and forth online. That's not really me. And then as you mentioned, April, I knew that if I did say something, I would probably be blocked or removed. Mm -hmm. And the group was so resourceful. I didn't want to risk that chance, but that, that itself kind of felt weird. You know, I I have to not say how I really feel because I'm scared of being blocked. I mean, yes, the group is resourceful, but it it can't be that serious that I I have to shut up because I, I think that the group has so much information that I want that I'm afraid of losing. There has to be another way. But the thing that I did respond to, which actually did lead to my eventual removal from the group, is that there was actually a black woman, an African woman, and I specify African because I'm black American and, you know, she wasn't black American. She was African. I think she was Nigerian and, you know, didn't have any American roots. So she made a comment saying something to the extent of, if anyone has a problem with the racism in this group, or thinks that this group is racist, or thinks that things uh, being said are racist, they should just leave. And I was just like, wow, if a white person wrote that, everyone would go crazy. Like, wow, that's like the most racist thing I've ever seen. But because she was black and said that, it was easier for her to say. And it was interesting because so many white women commented uh, to that saying, oh, you know, thank you. I just want to hug you. In other words, saying, wow, I'm glad you say it. I can't say that, (laughs) but I'm glad you say it. You said it. And, you know, I want to thank you for it. And so I chimed in. I said, you know, well, look at the people who are co-signing you. Not one black person, not one person of color is uh, co-signing what you just said. Like, and there's a reason for that. You just made people who are racist or have have racist thoughts, you just, you know, made their jobs even easier. Mm. You know, some yeah. people, they look for a person of color to co-sign their racism so they can show and say, look, I have a black friend. My black friend doesn't mind what I do or say, so it's not really racist. If, if one black person says it's okay, and then 99% of other black people say it's not okay, is it really okay? You know, you're looking for that minority's voice to kind of co-sign something that you know for a fact is wrong. And so I told her, I said, sis, let's be honest. If we all thought the way that you thought, we would all still be in the back of the bus right now. (laughs) Well, at least we're on the bus. You know, this isn't racist. We're all on the same bus. We're all going to get there. We just have to sit in the back. (laughs) I'm like, look at you. Like, you're really cooning right now. And then she and I kind of got into a dispute. And it's funny because I wasn't immediately removed. It wasn't until like two weeks later and randomly I was removed. And I don't know why, but 
you know, I wasn't immediately removed, but that's what, what made me speak out. And, you know, since this happened and I've been talking to other uh, moms about this and some of my friends back home, I learned that this wasn't unique or racism within mom groups was not a unique problem. In fact, there was a New York Times article last summer that came out around the time that George Floyd was killed that highlighted a similar incident that happened in New York, Facebook's mom group, in which, you know, some moms had posted articles about what happened or about George Floyd's death and was saying how outraged they were and using the phrase Black Lives Matter. And then other moms would respond with, well, all lives matter, or he should have just complied. Mm -hmm. And so it got so bad to the point where the same thing happened. Uh, some women were censored. Some women were kicked out. And then the moderators in that group ended up even shutting down the group for a period of time to really kind of control the situation. And, and that's exactly what happened with us. Uh, people were censored. People were removed. And the group was actually archived to try to let things cool down, but more so to let things cool down so that it could continue the way it was and to not really address the issue or to make things better. And I think that what's happened in, the, in these groups is important because this goes beyond, you know, Facebook chatter or social media etiquette. We're talking about mothers, women who are raising the next generation. I'm concerned. I have a black son. I'm concerned about what these women are teaching their kids who are going to interact with my son. Yeah. I thought that the world was getting better. We're in 2021. Uh, so you mean to tell me that there are some mothers out there who are raising their kids to let them know that this is okay to judge a baby by their skin color or to talk about a baby's skin color or to really just negate a person's feelings when they tell you that they aren't okay with something. Why is it so hard to to just stop if someone is telling you that something that you're saying or doing is uncomfortable what's so hard about just saying okay you know I i'll stop why do people feel the need or the entitlement to to push their feelings onto others and say well i'm not going to stop because i don't think what i'm doing is wrong <laughs> like how what's the problem what's so hard about that and so this is especially interesting because we're in this international context and you have people from different backgrounds as I just mentioned I had a dispute with another black woman but who's not black American so and I'm not sure her background but if she's Nigerian and she's coming from a majority black country, she definitely didn't go through what I went through being a black American from America with my ancestors being enslaved and there being constitutional amendments against my equality. She definitely didn't go through that. And yeah. so if I'm saying that something isn't okay, why do you feel the need to say, well, I'm black and I think it's okay. I'm never going to do that to anyone. I'm going to say, you know, I don't agree, but who am I to really step up and tell someone you need to accept this? Okay. You need to let someone treat you the way that they want to treat you, not the way you want to be treated, but the way they want to treat you. You need to let people say to you what they want to say to you. No. Okay. I'm, I'm going to, I might say, well, that wouldn't bother me, but I'm never going to tell someone that it's okay, okay to be mistreated. That's not my decision to make. And so, you know, us being mothers, this conversation is very important because we need to really figure out what we're teaching our children 
And on top of that, we need to really understand what our children may be exposed to and who they may, may be exposed to, because let's be honest, this starts at home, okay? Yeah. So it's, it's surprising to learn that people you thought were otherwise good people are sharing these type of values to their kids and that your kids may be exposed to it. One of the women in the group was or is actually a parental coach, okay? She supposedly teaches, you know, good habits for parenting, how to deal with children who have uh, certain issues. So if you're a mom who may be a first-time mom or your children may have some type of issue, you're extra sensitive because you're seeking advice for situations in which you've never been in. And this particular woman, come to find out, she was a part of the censoring, you know, telling people of color that their concerns were not of importance. How are you a parental coach, okay, teaching, supposedly teaching women how to be good moms or how to rear their children and you don't understand racism. That's really scary to me. <laughs> That's, I was like, wow, I was really shocked to learn that. I guess I really shouldn't be that shocked, but for whatever reason, I was shocked to learn that. Joel, so you're a white woman. And so obviously the things that were said or the racist things that were said in a group wouldn't necessarily target you. Mm -hmm. uh, what motivates you to stand up in solidarity with black and brown women when these issues don't necessarily target you? What what makes you take that stand? Is it the, the California love in you? <laughs> what is it? I guess I've thought a lot about this. I was very blessed to be raised with friends, family members, in communities, specifically church communities that were very diverse. Lots of different skin colors, background, international languages, sexual orientations. I was very blessed to be in communities that were diverse. And I think that embedded in me this very visceral truth <laughs> that all of our differing perspectives are so valuable. And when there is space given and room given to people with different perspectives on the world, there's a fullness that happens and there's something very beautiful that is allowed to exist. And there is room for all of us. And so I get very bothered. You know, you were explaining about, you know, a lot of the racist comments and things. One of the most bothersome things to me was the silencing and erasure of the perspectives of people who had a certain tint of their skin. To say yeah. your perspective doesn't matter, especially when it is affecting you the most, I just can't, I can't support it because it makes that space not safe for me either. And that's the real truth. And you were speaking about this woman, you know, I don't know her. And, but one thing that you mentioned about this group is that 
not only are these mothers who are raising another gen the next generation, which is incredibly, it's absolutely true, but we were also in incredibly vulnerable situations. Mm -hmm. And one thing that a lot of these, a lot of your listeners may not understand is that France, especially the American listeners, France is culturally very different than the US. Mm -hmm. So we, we visit Paris and we just fall in love with the culture. But the thing is that for women from the outside who come here, especially if we don't speak the language perfectly, there is a really isolating alienation that can happen. And so for a lot of these women, they had no community, mm -hmm. no friends, most of them are thousands of miles from their family members. So becoming pregnant for the first time or having children and trying to raise children in a system, in a country that's incredibly different from your own, alone, without the support system, these groups became incredibly valuable. So specifically for that woman, what I was assuming was happening is that she was also freaking out and scared about losing her position in the group, losing her access to the group. And so what she did was, which we've seen over and over, especially with white women and the patriarchy, is we cling to the most powerful force that we're fearful of. So we say, oh, no, everything's fine. You know, I'm going to link up with them because there's safety there. But that's the lie, is that there's not safety with a victimizer. Right. There's not. Mm. But we but our human nature sometimes tricks our brain, especially when we're in an incredibly vulnerable situation to believe that is the safer place to be. Right. So for me, I just don't believe that type of environment is actually safe for anyone. That's the lie. Is that it's safer for a white woman. And of course, and that was one of my the conversations is a lot of white women were like, oh, but this is a safe place and the administration and moderators are doing such an amazing job to make this a safe place. And my response to them was, yeah, it feels like a safe place for you. Yeah. <laughs> but unless it's, unless it's, we, we are literally hearing hundreds of voices saying, this isn't a safe place for me. And yet we decide to silence and block those voices so that it can remain a safe place only for people who will align with that, with that, I'm going to say victimizer, <laughs> with that power structure. And that is what really pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting because at some point last year after the, the large Black Lives Matter rallies, there was actually even interest in the group from white women specifically about how they can be better allies and acknowledging so-called privilege that they had. So I was really disappointed to see what happened because here is a real example of when you can step up and make a change, not some hypothetical training about, oh, if you see something, say something. Well, here's something that you, yeah. <laughs> then yeah, yeah, yeah. you can say something and you're not saying anything. And I agree, you know, there definitely were or still are probably uh, good women in the group, but I'm not sure, you know, why things went down the, the way that they went down, especially when some of them said that they were interested in, in being better people. Joel, I just mentioned the word or the phrase white privilege. Do you believe in, because I know some people or some white people don't believe 
that white privilege exists. They might acknowledge that there are some differences but in how people are treated, but they won't go as far as to say that white privilege does exist. What do you think? Do you believe that white privilege does exist? Yes. <laughs> Again, I think that... So one of my first encounters with white privilege was when I was growing up in Southern California. It was probably in junior high or high school. And I had several white friends and some family members who were doing a lot of illegal drug use, drug selling, lots of illegal activity. We'll say that. And zero consequences still to this day, like lots of hardcore illegal activity with zero consequences. And yet one by one, if I had a Mexican friend who was caught in a car smoking weed with somebody, was deported to a country they've never been to because they didn't have the right type of birth certificate or you name it, but they've lived their whole life in the United States or thrown into prison. That to me, that is the definition of white privilege. And it's not, again, it's not a privilege actually, because it's an, it, it's, our society's very out of balance. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about white privilege, that's the privilege is that number one, we're seeing this all over the place now. White people are treated very differently by police officers. White people are treated very differently in job interviews, in buying houses, in selling houses, you name it. There is an inequality and a brokenness in the perspective, I think, in our culture. And it's not only in the United States, it's everywhere. And like I was stating before, it's connected to this kind of sick power system that's been happening for a long time. You may, you mentioned it, colonialism before. It's the same thing. This toxic masculinity, it's the same thing. So yes, I believe in white privilege. I think that I've been treated very differently. But again, for example, I know that there's jobs I've gotten in the past because of how I look, because of how my body's shaped, how straight my hair is, because of the lightness of my skin. But I also have realized as I look back on my life, that has always come with an expectation that I continue to uphold that system. If I've been, if I've gotten a job because of I'm deemed attractive to whoever hired me, there's an expectation on my sexuality in that position. Mm -hmm. There's an expectation that I'm going to hold up that system and that power structure. So like, like I was saying before, it's an, it's an illusion of safety. Yeah, my, my family members, my friends may not be getting killed by police officers, but the system is, it's not a healthy system for them either. So white privilege, absolutely, absolutely. But the illusion is that it's a healthy, safe place where, in my opinion, we are all losing out. We're all right. missing out. You know, racism in France is interesting because it's, it's literally taboo, okay, in which French people do not like to talk about race. It's very different than the U.S. in terms of 
the laws or information that you can, can collect around race or even things that you can say around race. We're all American in the U.S. We're obviously very race obsessed and we collect data to that extent. But here there's laws prohibiting that. So when you accuse someone of being racist or saying something that's racist, they look at you, in fact, as being separatist. So why are you bringing up race? I didn't say yeah. anything about race. I just yeah. said, I just said monkey. <laughs> why, why is that racist? Yeah. I didn't say black. I said monkey. <laughs> What's racist about me saying monkey? And it's like, hello, black. <laughs> have been called monkeys that's why it's racist but in France they I don't know denial willful ignorance or yeah I do know that things here are different culturally speaking especially when we add in the interculturalness of uh, non-French people Mm -hmm. and uh, white people or even people of color from other countries it just adds for sometimes some of the most toxic mm-hmm. environments because you have people from all different backgrounds bringing something to the table that was okay where they're from, but it's mm-hmm. not going to be okay where they're at now or to someone that they're speaking to now because of their background and you know, it can lead to disaster. And that's what exactly what we see or saw with the whole Megan Harry thing. A lot of that, you know, some of the women, I think that they really were clinging to Harry or trying to protect the queen, literally, because that's their queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were yeah. raised culturally yeah. to not say bad things about the, the queen. Yeah. Okay. This is their culture. They're really clinging to it. And so they see Megan as a threat to that. And it doesn't matter what reasoning she gives. They just don't want their culture to be challenged or to change. They, they see that Megan is changing the Royal family and they don't like that. So these international environments really bring things to light that I haven't seen or dealt with before. I've obviously dealt with racism before or been in uncomfortable situations, but I have to say, being here in France, I've seen things or or heard things that I've never really would have considered before because the international context just amplifies things and makes it that much more worse. So, April, outside of the Facebook group, how have you been treated here? Has everything else been okay? Has being a, a Mexican American affected you negatively in any other way? It's been a shock, to be honest. I I came here with the illusion that Europe is very like multicultural. France is very welcoming. And I I had rose-colored glasses on for sure when I moved here. I think one of the first experiences that I had when there's actually there's been a couple. I was working at a restaurant and the boss asked me, he's like, Where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm from Chicago. And he's like, No, where are you really from? I'm like, from America. <laughs> And he's like, but your your complexion, he's like, what's your origin? And I said, oh, well, I'm Mexican. And the thing that shocked me, if I didn't need, you know, it's it sucks because I, I, I needed money and there's just been so many times where I just wanted to 
walk out but he said he's like oh mexicans are like arabs they invade the countries and i'm like wow he said to you what what were you you supposed to agree and say yeah i'm an invader like what were you supposed (laughs) to say to that i i think my heart like right now actually my heart was just racing Mm -hmm. i like my whole body just went numb and it it was so hard because of the language barrier and i just my brain was just like overload what what (laughs) so I wanted to reply I wanted to say something at the same time I'm like keep calm like you're here you don't you need money you know so I just continued to work and I I was like trying to choke back the tears because I'm like there's no way like I thought I leaving America like coming to a different place it could be like a new start it could be refreshing but I realize it's not the case and I've also noticed that a lot of the times if I don't have my husband there because my husband's French I get treated so differently so there have been times that I have gone for example like getting blood drawn when I was pregnant I would leave because they would just kind of like first the language barrier is a problem but I I try my hardest (laughs) and so I would there's times where I would just leave areas and then come back with my husband and my husband would get treated completely differently and I've also noticed that on job applications if I put my Hispanic last name I I haven't gotten like any callbacks at all like no responses nothing so I made an email account with my first name and my husband's French last name and it's been you know I got a reply the next day and it's not what I expected at all and there's more to the racism that goes on here but I just I'm I don't know where to go you know <laughs> like yeah. I come here thinking it'd be great and I'm like well now I want to go home because it's not safe here too but at home it's not better so where can we go that's safe you know yeah is there any safe first place on this earth that's a real legitimate question yeah. well at least the the thing that we can do is be uh the change that we want to see and yeah. that's what we're working to now so uh joelle you're actively involved in uh <clears throat> creating a new mom's group that will specifically be inclusive <laughs> to women of color and be an inclusive environment and obviously not races and people will act like they have common sense. So how's that coming along? It's actually very challenging. You know, you had mentioned something, Chanel, about, you know, can't everybody just show up and be kind? And But I think part of the problem is back to this, this system and this myth of white supremacy that we've all kind of this cloud we've all been raised under, that whiteness is safe, is superior, is better. And so as a white person, you know, I have to kind of come, I've come to realize I'm racist. I have to, that has to kind of be my jumping off point. I'm a super kind, nice person, and I love diversity. And yet I find myself, the more I'm learning about anti-racism, the more I'm learning about this myth of white supremacy we've all been raised under, 
I am finding ways that I didn't even realize I was functioning to uphold this system by silencing other people's opinions and thinking that mine is the superior one, like subconsciously by taking up tons of room in every space that I walk into, by feeling like I have to have the answer, the right answer, the superior answer. You know, those are super subtle things, but they're deeply embedded in my psyche. And what I'm finding (laughs) is that Unless we start to uncover these things, we're going to show up and still continue to allow these things to be present. And kind of like you two used language of like, oh, there's some bad apples or there's some not good people. But the real thing is that there's actually a lot of good people who have deeply racist ideas and have no idea about it. They just are clueless. Because our whole society mirrors this lie to us, right? Mm -hmm. So it's been challenging to be completely honest, but I'm really hopeful because I know that I really believe that when we show up in a space and we allow ourselves to be held accountable. (laughs) And so when people do come to us and say, hey, the way you acted was kind of, you know, shitty or, hey, can I chat with you? I felt really cut off by you or I I felt like there actually wasn't any room for my opinion in this situation or, you know, when we are allowed to hear each other's perspectives and then say, oh my word, thank you so much for telling me that. I'm going to really think about that, digest that. And that's when real change can happen. And that's when a space and environment full of lots of different people and opinions can evolve and can become a place that's safer, but it has to really start with every single one of us. Right. It's one of my goals to become a safer place just as my person, the environment that I exude from my person for my children, for my husband, in my home, in my work environments, in Facebook groups, on social media. I, I'm actively working on becoming a safer person by shifting my perspective to understand from other people's perspectives by realizing that my perspective isn't always the dominant right perspective, especially when I'm not the one that is affected the most. So yeah, I have a lot of hope because I feel like we've gathered some people who are really passionate about also being held accountable and also being vulnerable and also showing up in a place to work to create safe space for everybody to be inclusive. And I think that's a really great start. I also think that I'm learning from some other people who have also been able to create safer spaces for others. And so we're taking a lot of those, those tips and tools from the playbook of other areas that have been created. So it's going. I'm nervous a little bit just because I don't want to declare to a whole group of people this is a safe space and then it turn out to be the exact same thing as before. So learning ways of how we can do that, of not being the one and only leader, of not being the one that just drives everything, but gathering a diverse group around me and, and together all of us creating a space and walking forward in this experience together 
and allowing the leadership of this group to be vulnerable and held accountable and responsive. Okay. Well, and I've been a part of meetings for this new group and I will be a part of the new group. And I think that, you know, you're doing a great job and you're doing it the right way. Getting feedback early on to help be preventive instead of reactionary, you Mm -hmm. know, to prevent problems before they happen. So, you know, I have faith in this new group and that it will be successful and vulnerable women from all backgrounds, from all Mm -hmm. different cultures and colors will get the information that they need in a Mm -hmm. safe environment. I I think that's going to happen. So I thank you ladies for joining me today and Mm -hmm. Joel and I, I I look forward to seeing you on Facebook (laughs) in the future and hopefully in person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)